there is a call. We see Jesus over and over again calling us to be mature, calling us to be uh, moral, telling us, hey, do this, emulate me. You see over and over Paul saying, do this, do that, you know, abstain from morality, be more like Christ. He tells the people, actually, be like me, actually, emulate my character because I'm emulating Christ's character. We see all these commands um, in the scripture. And so that's not what we're saying, that like you shouldn't do these things. But what we're talking about is, is really the motivation and why you're doing these things. What is the end result? Not, we shouldn't be doing these things, like I said before, to sort of force uh, ourselves to be mature, force more spirituality. I'm not, I don't want to do these things so that I'm going to make myself more holy. Because like we talked about last week, and we'll kind of go over again, um, if I could do it, um, I really wouldn't need Christ. Uh, he wouldn't have had to come and do what he did because, well, I can do it on my own. Um, and so we don't want to do those things. We don't want to force ourselves to be holy because, number one, like I was saying last week, you'll just, you'll never do enough. You'll never do enough to be perfect or anything like that. Another thing is it sort of just builds up pride. And I know Pastor John came up and kind of gave the, you know, the, the story in the Bible about the, the two guys in the temple, one saying, I'm glad I'm not like that guy, and the other guy that just can't even raise his head. Um, when, we, when, when it's all about the things that we do and it's up to us, we can sort of build up this false sense of uh, spiritual security and this false sense of um, really an arrogance. Um, and so it becomes for some people just about church attendance. And, and, and it reminds me of this guy in another church that I went to. This guy was like super big on making sure that you were here every Sunday. I mean, like when I would preach and like other people would preach and if they would ask a question, he would make sure that he put it in there. Well, you know, you, you guys need to be here and stuff. No joke, this guy slept through every sermon. You're not even here if you're sleeping. Like don't get on people's backs to like, you better be here and stuff if you're just gonna come in and like go to sleep. The building isn't magical. This isn't Hogwarts castle. Uh, you don't just get like this big, huge blessing just by walking in and falling asleep in the chair. Um, and I was always like, this guy, like he would get up and say this stuff. And I'm like, but dude, you don't even know what we talked about last week. Or like, what's the point? I mean, you, it's, it just doesn't even make any sense to me. Uh, but this guy had a lot of arrogance right? because he was here every Sunday. I probably had no clue what was going on. Um, but we don't want it. We don't want to do these things to sort of force ourselves to be more holy. We want what we want to do is we want to recognize our weakness when we talk about these things, when we talk about our moral failures. And, that, and we're going to be talking about morality tonight. Last week we talked about worship and how we'll never actually get it right. But when we talk about morality, what we need to do is recognize our weakness, recognize our inability to fix ourselves, and take those moments and look at them and use them as opportunities to deepen our relationship with Christ, to understand that it's in those moments that he can actually transform us it's in those moments that are really crummy, actually, because you're confronted with your failure, you're confronted with your guilt, you're confronted with your shame. It's those moments where he can actually work with us, where he can actually transform us. When it's up to us and I can do whatever I want and make it better, I just got to pray, you know, X amount of times more. Um, I don't know that he can mold us very well. We're not really allowing him to do it. When we're coming to grips, what we need to do is come to grips with our powerlessness to fix ourselves and, and understand our complete dependence um, on Christ. When do we confront our sin, our guilt, and our shame? We're either going to deepen our relationship with Christ. We're going to see those as opportunities to do that and, and, and dive in on this journey with Christ. 
Or what we have a tendency to do, unfortunately, um, is seep into moralism. And what we, what we really do there is just cover our guilt and our shame with doing more. Um, we just, we're just covering our, we don't want to deal with it. And so the best way to not deal with our guilt, the best way to not deal with our shame and our sin is just to do more. Just, I'll just pray more or I'll just act more holy and then I don't even have to worry about this other area where probably there's a whole lot of issues that I really need to work on and I really need Christ because he's really only one. I really need him to work on me there, um, but I'll just, I'll just do more. We have this temptation to seep into moralism where we have a tendency to want to perfect ourselves in our flesh. Um, that when we mess up, it's up to us to fix it simply by doing more. <clears throat> and, and, and we like to do it because we tell ourselves we're doing it to please God. But like I said, really, it's just to, it's just to help us not deal with our own sin. It's our natural response to cover our guilt, to cover our shame, to cover our sin. It's our natural response. We actually see it with the very first people that God created. And if you, go to, if you want to go to Genesis 3 with me, you can. And I'm just going to read, uh, I'm going to actually just read 1 through 7. It's a good story. You should know it. <clears throat> now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We see from the very, I mean, from the very inception of sin, right here, the very first response, instead of dealing with it, instead of coming to grips with what just happened, something terrible just happened, instead of taking it and going to the only person, the only other person in the universe, but the only person that actually fixed the problem, their natural response, their first response, and unfortunately, our first response is to hide from God and to, to, to cover our guilt, to cover our shame, to cover ourselves and not let him deal with it. But it works in a sense uh, when we do that. When we hide our, sh our shame and hide our guilt, hide our sin, uh, it gives the appearance that we're in harmony with God's commands. And so I can, I, can, I can fool you, Steve. I can get up here and I can preach and um, I can say the right things and I can pray very well and I can take your kids to feed the homeless and take them to camp in a few weeks and I can fool you. Man, this guy's holy. He's awesome. It's easy. It really is. I mean, we, we're all, you know, we can be pretty good actors if we want to. God wants me to be holy, so I'll just do it. It's easy. 
I'll just cover it. It's not a big deal. I'll just do more. But unfortunately, we deceive ourselves because we're not actually fixing the problem. We're just covering it. There's a lot of, there's so many issues that are underlying there that actually aren't being dealt with. And all we're doing is not even, we're not even putting a Band-Aid on it. We're just acting like it's not even there. I had a, a friend kind of text me today. He emailed me, a guy I was in the war with. And he just randomly is just like, hey, remember this one time where we were singing this one song over in Iraq? And I'm like, I don't remember, dude. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't remember that. And he's like, oh, you know, I really wish that I could forget, like, that part of my life, too. But you know what? I'm just going to keep pushing through. Eventually, it'll all work out. Do you have any advice? And I'm like, yeah, you actually need help. <laughs> you actually got to deal with the issue. A lot of times, just simply pushing through this isn't the answer. The, the answer, I'm failing morally, the answer isn't, well, I'll just do more. It's actually taking this junk to Christ and deepening our relationship. Say, look, look, God, I'm broken. I can't do this. I actually need you. We have, to, we have to deal with the issue. And unfortunately, we can't deal with it. But we can take it to the person who can. Amanda and I were watching a documentary last night about um, sort of the effects of people coming back from the war. It was on, and, you know, Amanda studying psychology. So I was like, man, this actually might be a pretty decent documentary. And it was. It was really good. In a lot of these bases, one specifically in Colorado Springs, suicide among returning vets has jumped up 4,000%. And that's, I mean, that's sort of normal in a lot of places. I had a buddy just the last week posted on Facebook, yeah, you remember this guy from Texas, Burchard? He killed himself last week on Christ, uh, Christmas Day. Um, they're trying to push through it. Let's not, I don't want to deal with it. So a lot of times they just self-medicate, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. But in the military, we're taught, you just push through it. Pain is weakness leaving the body. You just got to kind of do more to, to fix the problem. And that translate over, translates over into our spiritual lives. We can't just push through stuff. Um, it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, moralism is just a way for us not to deal with it and to sleep better at night. I could sleep better if I at least did four or five good things today. I helped an old lady across the street, whatever. I feel good now. Now I can sleep because I'm really not that bad of a person. Or, yeah, I, I saw this other person. He, I heard, read on the news he killed a bunch of people. I'm definitely not that bad. I could sleep better tonight. But we have to deal with the root issue. We have to take it to, take it to Christ. He's the only one um, that can do it. But it's what we're used to. As non-believers, before we come to Christ, we never have to deal with our junk. We really never have to, to admit or deal with the fact that we are broken or that we can't fix it. We just do more. So we're so used to it. So this habit dies really hard when we become believers because we're just so used to just doing more. And so when I fail as a husband, just buy more flowers. Instead of dealing with the issue, instead of taking that junk where, you know, maybe I was just completely insensitive and, and maybe I'm completely insensitive a lot, and so maybe there's an actual reason why I'm insensitive. Maybe there's an actual reason why I lash out because I have so much anger in this one particular area. But instead of dealing with it, let's just go out to dinner. Let's not really deal with the issue. Let's not take our junk. I don't want to have to sit there and say, I suck. 
as a husband right now. I don't want to have to do that. That's too hard. It's a lot easier. I mean, flowers, you can get them for like, there's Ralph's by my house. They're like 10 bucks. It's easy. It's a lot easier. But the issues never get resolved. The problems are always going to be there. You can't just push through it. That stuff is going to come up again. Instead of dealing with our junk in light of what Christ did for us, we just sort of push through it. And, and I, like I said, it's, it's what we do. We're, it's just natural for us. That's what we did before we came to Christ, and so it's just going to sort of naturally occur when we do come to Christ. Our natural response is just to cover it, to cover our guilt and our shame, um, because we don't want to have to recognize that we're broken and that we can't fix it ourselves. And so when we take our junk, instead of looking at our junk with Christ in light of the cross, in light of what he's already done and said, and instead of just saying, here it is, let's deal with it, let's go on this journey, and it is going to be hard, and it's going to be rough, and there's, I'm not going to enjoy it a whole lot sometimes. Instead of doing that, we just say, I'll just take it. Don't worry about it. I got it. I can do this. I don't want, I don't want you to have to deal with it right now, Christ. Uh, whatever, you're busy. You're helping the Broncos win. You're finding parking spots for people. I, I, I'll just take it myself, and I'll deal with it. It's easier. <clears throat> and I feel better about it. But we can't do that. And we're going to talk a little bit about how actually we do deal with it, how we should anyway. Paul dealt with this. Uh, and I mentioned this passage last week over in Galatians. He dealt with this issue too of people coming to faith and then sort of keeping the old habits that they had, trying to obey the laws through circumcision and things like that. So he dealt with this. And in his letter to the church, he basically calls them out. He tries to help them see the errors of their way. And he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your eyes, Jesus Christ, which was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if, it de if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and the works of miracles among you do it by the works of the law, or by hearing by faith? He's trying to show them, you guys, you guys can't, you don't come to Christ through faith, and then sort of just earn it, keep it. You don't do that. It doesn't work that way. Once you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Don't try to, to make yourself more holy through these acts. It isn't going to work. You can't do it. And try to cover your shame with this. In fact, and we're going to keep reading um, over in 3.13, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, even further down over in five, and this is the passage I love uh, a lot. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. You said, like, guys, that's not the way it works. You can't cover this stuff. When we're confronted with our brokenness, we don't just do more. We're not going to fix the problem. We have to actually take it to the foot of the cross. 
We have to deal with our junk with Christ in light of what he has already done for you. But maybe you're just like, you know what? Yeah, okay, that sounds good. You keep saying this, take it to the Christ, take it to Christ. Okay, so how do I, what do we do? I have all this shame. I have all this guilt. I'm confronted daily with my sin. What now? How do we deal with it? Well, I think we have to understand a few things first. I think first and foremost, we have to understand that as a believer, there is no condemnation. If you go to Romans 8.1, the same guy who's writing all this other stuff, he's trying to help them understand this. You are in Christ. You're not going to make it better by doing all this other stuff. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of, of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. We have to understand. If, we're, if, if someone's not a Christian, well, unfortunately, they are. There is condemnation for them. And we want to help them to see that there doesn't have to be that because they are essentially trying to earn their way. You know, if they believe in God and, and they think, you know, most, what, 85% of people are Christian in America. Essentially what that large population is doing is trying to earn, trying to earn their way to heaven. I'm a good person. I, you know, I don't lie a whole lot for the most part, just on my taxes at work um, to my wife when I want to do something fun and she won't let me. Uh, and that's not me, so I'm using that as an example. <laughs> Promise. You know, I don't murder people, I don't rob, I don't steal a whole lot. Um, if, someone, if no one's looking and they left their food in the refrigerator at work, um, then, you know, free game. It's, it's no big deal. There is. They're trying to earn their way. And so we've got to help them understand. It doesn't have to be that way. You're never going to do it. I'm sorry. But you don't have to. Someone's already done it for you. Someone's already done it for us. So for those of us who do believe, there is no condemnation for us. You're not going to make yourself more perfect or more holy. When confronted with our, our shame and our sin and our guilt, the only remedy for that, the only remedy when we're having those feelings, the only thing to mitigate those feelings is understanding our relationship to Christ. Understanding our being justified before God in Christ. Plain and simple. If you go look back at, in, in Romans 5, 9, there's Paul, I love, Paul's writing is so awesome. Just he always ties us in with Christ. And we talked about this last week. Your worship is Christ's worship. You have communion with the Father because Christ has, the commun has communion with the Father and you are in Christ. That's how it works. And he constantly is teaching us this. And, and in 5.9, he says, Hey, uh, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For those of us who are believers, when we deal with those things, we don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be perfect because I'm afraid of the wrath of God. I am in Christ. There is no condemnation for me. If I'm not, if I'm not in Christ, I do have to worry about that. There is that, yeah, the wrath of God. At the end of this life and the beginning of the next, if I, there is condemnation if I don't know him. I'm, that's just the way it is. 
Over in 2 Corinthians 5.21 is another reference. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We can't be righteous enough, guys. And most of you know this. We can't be righteous enough. But Christ is perfectly righteous. And his righteousness is our righteousness now. And so we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about necessarily doing more to be more righteous. If Christ's righteous, I mean, you can't get more perfect than perfect. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does to me. If something's perfect, it's perfect. We have Christ's righteousness. So when we're confronted with our guilt and with our shame and with our sin, this is the time. These are the moments when we're sitting here right now and we are all at least in one sense thinking not necessarily about particular sins, but with our sin, with our fallenness, with our shame and our guilt. These are moments to enter into a deeper relationship with Christ. This is where he can actually transform us. This is where we understand when we're thinking about these things, where we can appreciate what he did for us more. And these things actually motivate us. These things actually move us to obedience and humility. Like I was saying last week, all the time, Paul, Paul doesn't just say, abstain from morality, just don't do it. He says, hey, you're in Christ. Here's what Jesus did for you. Let that be motivating to move to obedience. Think about what God has done for you in light of the mercies of God. Don't be conformed. In light of the mercies. Those are what motivates us. Not to be perfect. Not to make sure we're pleasing God. Not, well, I'm kind of failing in this area, so I just need to do more. This is, these are the places where we can understand his grace better. When we're confronted with and we can understand, I'm broken, I can't fix myself, I have all this shame, sin, and guilt. Wow. That just makes what he did all the more powerful. When we know that it's not up to us. When we understand our place in him. And we can say, yeah, actually I don't have to be afraid. I am failing but he took that to the cross. I don't have to, to sit there and wallow in my shame because while it's there and those feelings are going to come up and I'm going to mess up and I'm going to fail, that's sort of why he went to the cross. Okay, so now I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to feel those things. I kind of want to love my life a little more now. Now that we're dealing with this, we're dealing with this junk, and I failed here, and God's grace is all the more powerful, yeah, it's a little easier. And I can really understand what he did for me. It's a little easier to want to do things. For him. Why wouldn't you want to serve a God like that? The awareness of our sin is simply a, a reminder of our brokenness, of our neediness of him. It's a reminder of our gratitude for what Christ did on the cross. And again, this is where he can move us to obedience in humility. And we're, we're being obedient, but we're being humble about it. And we're not doing it because, well, I have to do this in order to look this way. Or I have to do this in order to meet this perfect standard. Because we never will. And so when all these things come up, instead of taking them back from Christ, instead of saying, I got it, Jesus, don't worry about it. I can do this on my own. 
we can deal with it with him. And this is where he says things like, you know what? Um, my power is perfected in weakness. For us, Jesus' power is perfected in our power. And so we sort of just kind of work in tandem with Christ. And we say, Jesus, you just sort of tell me what to do, and then I'm going to do the rest. And so I'll read the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll say, I was just supposed to love my enemy. Okay, that's cool. I can do that. And he says, my power is perfected in weakness. You can't actually do it. So you got to bring it before me, and then we're going to go on this journey together. We're going we're to look. You're going to come into the light. All your junk is going to come into the light, and we're going to deal with it. We're going to go on a journey, and it's going to be tough. But I'm going to transform you. I'm going to prune you, and it'll be worth it. And on this journey, when those things come up, when you mess up, and you will, when that shame arises, when that guilt arises, we're going to come back to this very place where we're looking at it on this journey, both of us, and we're going to deal with it. And you're going to realize how needy you are, and you're going to realize that I already took care of it. And that I love you. And then you're going to be moved to obedience through humility. And it's just going to be this cycle. And you're going to grow. And you're going to mature. And you're not going to be arrogant about it. And you're going to remember who you are and who I am through the entire process. And you're actually going to emulate the character of Christ instead of just forcing yourself to do it. How could you not want to serve a God like that? Where that's the motivating factor for obedience. Not if you don't, I'm going to kick you out. Because that's not what it is. So let us live in that reality. Let us live in the reality that all, that, all those feelings, if we're believers, he already dealt with it. He already took all that junk to the cross. And so when they come up, what we need to do is not just try to do more, but to actually step back. Maybe, maybe it takes a few hours. There's usually someone here most of the time. If you need to just come, maybe that's what it takes. But just coming and just saying, God, I can't do it. I'm never going to be able to do it. Let's deal with this. You deal with it. And then he'll just remind you, I already did. Let's go. Come on. Let's go on this journey. Let us live in that reality. That he's already done it. And let us be moved to obedience in light of what he's already done for us. In light of the cross. In light of his love for you. And what he's doing for you daily. I'm going to pray real quick. And I just want you to think about it. While, we're praying, while I'm praying, I just want you to Think about your sin, and that's never a fun topic. I want you to think about your guilt, and I want you to think about your shame. And then I want you to realize that he already dealt with it. And that he loves you, and that he wants to deepen his relationship with you through these moments. Let's pray. God, we just thank you, um, God, so much. Just because we can't do it, and we're never going to fully comprehend what you did for us. But we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you already dealt with it. We thank you that when these feelings come up, when we're confronted with our sin, with our failures, 
and shame and guilt, Lord, that we can take them to you. And in those moments, we can be transformed into your image, Lord. We thank you so much for that. We thank you for sending your son. We'd be lost without him. Lord, help us as we leave here. Help us in our daily lives. Help us when, um, when we're talking with friends to just always reflect um, your truth and to always remember um, that you took care of it, Lord. Help us, move us to obedience through humility. Draw us closer to you. We need it, Lord. Help us daily to draw from, um, from you, from the endless well. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the work in our lives that you have done and that you are doing and that you will continue to do, Lord. Thank you for that. We love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.